0: Oh, you are still there. All right. I thought you all ran out. Okay. That's good. Uh, My name is Jim Wycliffe. I was born and raised in New York City um, under abuse and neglect and those kinds of things. And there's Celebrate Recovery coming up. How many have ever heard of Celebrate Recovery? Yeah. Listen, um, I'm going to be... One part with me is transparent. I'm opening up. (laughs) Um, I was president of the mission our mission, Children's Bible Fellowship of New York. Uh, I was head of deacons, and I was teaching adult Sunday school, and I was doing well. But I was masking the pain of being neglected, and I was masking the pain of being angry. I stuffed it, and it affected me. And and if you've gone through any difficulties, and you may have been a victim of things, um, my suggestion is get there. It took me nine months to go through this and be freed. And, uh, and working with New York City kids and things like that, I need to tell them about my path, but I won't do that today. But I want to encourage you, if there's anything you're stuffing, and you know what it is, you know, and God said, can we go in that room? No, Lord, you're not going out in that room. Okay, close it up, you know. Um, I'm going to be very open today about our walk with God. Uh, this morning, I'm honored to be here, and I'm privileged uh, and I, I'm just so excited what's going on at this church. I just uh, love it. I, I appreciate Steve getting you to know him. That's really good. Uh, this morning we're going to be in uh, John, and it's going to be John chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at Jesus, where he takes and uh, makes his disciples, starts the process. And then also we're going to look at he moves to Galilee. Listen, this is a place of transformation. And I don't know, how many know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? Okay. How many are growing in his grace daily? Good. Listen, it's about transformation. Jesus didn't come to give us a free ticket to heaven. He doesn't go there. He wants to make us like himself. He wants us to conform us into his image. And that's what this is all about this morning. Uh, Get... Get Jesus' heart. God is a good God. We're living in a world that people think, well, I'm good enough. You know, I don't need that God. I can do what I want. (laughs) There's others say, I'm so bad, you know, God can't love me. God is so good, he won't let people stay in their sin, but he'll clean them up and he will live in them. And God is so good that he will not let anyone not pay for their own sin if they reject him. And be tormented forever in the lake of fire at the, at the great throne judgment. So listen, our God is good. And, and the arguments are real simple. You have a good God. Don't shy down. Well, I don't know what they say. Stand up and say, I've got a good God. He loves and he judges. And we don't like that. You know, people fall on both sides of that. But uh, we need to know we have a good God. So anyway, let, let's look at that this morning. Um, Maybe you're this morning thinking to yourself, well, you know, I'm, I'm getting older. I'm 72. And why you had to help me up, I'm, I'm not crippled. <laughs> I got a neuropathy in my legs. Sometimes they want to go this way and I want to go that way. <laughs> so we want to we cooperate. But uh, let me read you this story. Maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're saying to yourself, well, maybe, maybe it's over for me. Listen to this, all right? Uh, it was 45 years of his life, Frank Lombard. Anybody heard of Frank Lombard? Wow, okay. Where, where did you hear of him? Education? Okay, thank you. Uh, he lived a pretty average life. He was an American-born Christian living in a remote part of the Philippines. Yet on his 46th birthday, he wrote in his journal this, I no longer have the sense that life is all before me as I had a few years ago, some of it's behind, and a miserable part of it, so far below what I dreamed that I even dare think of it. Nor dare I think much of the future. The present moment is full of, if it's full of God, is my only refuge that I have from a poisonous disappointment and almost rebellion against God. Whoa, scary. Yet in 1930, despite this disappointment, Of life so far, something changed. In 1970, uh, Lombard passed away. His influence had spread worldwide. Encyclopedia notes he was probably the single most greatest educator of modern times, voted Man of the Year in America. In the 40 years of his life, the latter 40 years, Lombard developed each one teach one literary campaign, campaign. He used to teach 60 million people to read their own language. Wow. And most of the world can't read. All across the globe. He wrote over 50 books. that became an international presence in literacy, religion, and government. He had influence on poverty, injustice, and literacy around the world. His influence spread to his presidents as well as the underdeveloped areas of the world. What changed in that life in 1930 from Frank Larbar? Many have written about it and say little about a spiritual life because they didn't understand it. But let me share it in his own words. Larbar wrote in his journal Two years ago, a profound dissatisfaction led me to begin trying to line up my actions with the will of God every 15 minutes or 30 minutes. People said it was impossible. I judge that from what I heard of people, they weren't really trying. <laughs> but this year, I've started out to live my waking moments in conscious listening to the inner voice, asking without ceasing, what, Father, do you desire this minute? You want to see your life changed? Woo! <laughs> this guy's crazy. I love it. It is clear this is exactly what Jesus was doing all day long. And this is what he says. He said, it is that exactly that moment by moment, surrender, responsiveness, obedience, sensitiveness, pliability, lost in his love that I desire to explore all of my might. After 30 days, he said, "This sense of cooperation with God in, in the little things is what astonishes me. I need something. I turn around. I find it's there. I must work to be sure. But there is God working along with me. God takes care of all the rest. The part to live this hour in continuous inner conversation with God and in perfect responsiveness to his will is to make this hour gloriously rich. This seems to be all I really need. Six to, 60 days. The experiment is interesting, although I'm not very successful thus far. The thought of God slips out of my sight for almost two-thirds of a day. Yet this thing keeps I keep in constant touch with God in almost amazing things I've run across. It's working. As I analyze analyze myself, I find several things happening to me as a result of these two months. This concentration upon God is strenuous, but everything else has ceased to be. I think more clearly, I forget less frequently, things which I did with a strain before. Now I do easily and with no effort whatever. I worry about nothing and lose no sleep. If it is there, the universe is with me. My task is simple and fear and and clear. This is his last thing. It's difficult to convey to another the joy of having broken into the new sea of realizing God's here Now I wish, wish, wish a dozen people would join me on this journey. And uh, today what I want to do is I uh, want to share about uh, Jesus' vision of uh, discipleship and the things he does. I also have a... Uh, pad up here with a pen, and maybe you're sitting there and you say, I've never been discipled. Or maybe you say, I've got all this stuff, Jim, I don't know what to do with it. Maybe you want to disciple someone else. So what I do is I promise, congregation, but I will pray for all of the people, write something down, what you want, and and, uh, just, it could be a prayer request, could be what you want to do, a goal, or whatever, and I will pray for you for 30 days from this day forward. Every morning, I will pray for you, that God does a new thing in your life with discipleship. Let's look at our Bibles. Uh, The next day, verse 35, the next day. Now, this is the the third day, okay? The other one said next day, next day. This is the third next day. So we're the third day, okay? Just got to keep it straight. Uh, The next day, John was there again with his two disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Now, Jesus and, and John and his disciples were here, and Jesus is kind of over there, and he's, he's walking along. And, and John just says, look, the Lamb of God. Everybody's like, what? You know, especially his disciples. And you've got to get this about John. John said, I must decrease, but he must increase. And John doesn't care. He loses his disciples to Jesus. You know why? Because he's the forerunner. He's the one that is laying out the road for Jesus to come. And so he says, the Lamb of God. And, and this Lamb of God is so significant. Uh, on Passover with the Jewish people throughout the years, everybody came to Jerusalem, and they offered the sacrifice. And the, whole, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, is the holy place, once a year the Holy of Holies. And there the Lamb was slain. And here's the deal. He was slain because all the other sacrifices that were made couldn't take away sin couldn't. And and they just covered the sin. And that's why there's the Ark of the Covenant with the two angels. It's covering the sin. Until the day the Lamb of God comes, Jesus Christ. And he's come to take away the sin of the world. Wow. This isn't like, oh yeah, there he is. What's his name again? Oh, the Lamb. No, there's the Lamb of God! He's come to take away the sin of the world! That's why, why I get out of bed in the morning. I get shot and out of the cabin. I'm waiting for him to come. And that's just a little bit of it. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what's going on. So when the two disciples heard this from him, they followed Jesus. Now, there were two disciples. One is Andrew. We know that for sure. The other one, not so much. He, he doesn't tell us who he is. He just says there's two disciples. And the other one is probably John. Everybody says, it's got to be John, because John never tells about himself. He always kind of puts it in the background. And they started walking. They said said to Rabbi, which means teacher, "Uh, where are you staying? Come, he said, and you will see. You know what he's saying? (whistles) Come on over here, guys. I'm going to teach you about myself. That's what discipleship is, learning about Jesus. We're learners. We come with the right attitude. We come before the Lord. We want to listen. Hear what he has to say. It is transforming. The title I took for the sermon may be a little odd. It says, We are all nobodies, telling everybody about the somebody who can transform anybody. And that's our job in, in life is to take the people that we meet, our family, friends, our neighbors, the people who work, give them Jesus. We're going to find out a minute that it it, it radiates or reflects it mirrors the, the glory of God from our lives. But also to help them grow so they too can become like Jesus in the image of God. And, and so that's what's going on here. And then so he went a little further. He saw them stay in there and he spent the day with them. Can you imagine spending a day with Jesus? You know, like, hey, man, did you see the Super Bowl, Jesus? What's the Super Bowl? No. <laughs> at nighttime, he takes you out. He says, you see that star, Jesus? Look at that. Yeah, his name is Hermie. And you know that why? Well, I made him. Do you get it? This is God. It's Jesus. Not a good teacher. Well, you're a good teacher. You? No! <laughs> Jesus is God. Get that. He's God. So he starts, and it says there, he was with them uh, the whole day. It says, four in the afternoon. Um... John uses the, uh, the Jewish way of keeping hours that starts, their day starts at 6 in the morning, so this makes it 4 in the afternoon. The Romans use midnight, so it would have made it, what, 10 o'clock in the morning. So depending where you read, but I know one thing, they spent a lot of time with Jesus. And uh, this eternal life is really amazing. He says this in John 17, 3. This is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom I've sent. And this is what he says. Eternal life is knowing Jesus Christ personally. That's it. That's it. Say, well, I went through this program. Stop. Did you get to know Jesus? Was he there in your life? Is he answering your prayers? Do you trust him in everything? Have you taken all your stuff and been a steward and given him everything? Are you trusting him for this day? Are you looking for him to come today? Today's a good day, Jesus. I tell him that every day. He smiles. He says, just wait. <laughs> you know, the deal is this, that we need to get to know him. Uh, Paul does a great job in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3. And uh, here's what he says. He says, uh, verse 7, uh, 18, he says, we with unveiled faces. Now, the Jewish people, they... <laughs> They had veiled faces, and all those that don't need, know Jesus are dead in their sins, they got veiled faces too. But he's talking here about the Jewish people, and the reason is because Moses went up on the mountain, and he saw the glory of God, and he came back, and he was like a mirror reflecting the glory of God. And he put, a, he put a hood on his face, you know, a mask, so they wouldn't see it, and that's what he's saying here. And then he says here, uh, unveiled faces, contemplate, reflect, you use any word you want. The Lord's glory as being transformed. There it is. Taking it from one thing to cocoon to make it a butterfly. Whew. You have no idea what Jesus wants to do with your life. I'm a rotten kid from New York City. When I'm in the streets, man, I had nothing. I don't know where I was going. God. God. I don't know what I'm gonna do in college. God. You know what I'm gonna get married? God. I don't know what we am gonna do with kids. God. I gotta go on a mission. God. He only gives us the light we need in front of us. we get there. And then he says that uh, we'll be ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord, which is the Spirit. And uh, let me give you a a couple of things people say here that's really good. A person who reflects the glory of God sees God so clearly and feels Him so fully that He is the supreme treasure. And this is even better. It says the beholding of God, the glory of God, gradually pushes off and out all conflicting desires in our hearts. Jonah said, those that cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And this is the deal. We, when we got saved, I call it my wancy, my old nature, sinful nature. It's still there. It still wants to do what it wants to do all the time. And then Jesus came in. I would have a choice. How many of you know Lecrae? two of us. girls. You know what he said in his book? Every day I go to a funeral. Mine. He dies to himself so that Jesus Christ can live with the power of the Spirit in his life. That's being a disciple of Jesus. Letting him call the shots. Letting him give you the power. Letting him take you where he wants. Let him say the things he wants. Takes you to do the things he wants. And that's what he's talking about there. So let's go back to John here. So these guys are seeing this. They're spending time with Jesus. And they're hearing, I don't know, I wasn't there. But I know Jesus was telling him about himself. I don't know if he was telling him how he made the world. I don't know It he was telling him about what he was going to do and plan. Letting and know in the inside circle, you guys are the first. I'm going to have 12 disciples. And I'm going to do really amazing things with them. They're going to change the whole world. They're going to turn it upside down. And he's looking like, us? <laughs> don't you know Rome is in charge? Oh, have, Jesus, haven't you been out there? Yes, I've been out there, but you don't know who I am. You don't know who I am. You don't know what I can do. And so they they go through this process. Uh, So that's eternal life. Jesus is not only just uh, the Savior of the world, but he's also the eternal God. So the next verse is, so they spent the day with him. Then it goes on when Andrew, Simon's brother, was one of the two heard John and said to him, follow Jesus. So the first thing Andrew does is he gets his brother, Simon, and tells him. Can you imagine this? The first thing he, do, he does, remember when you were saved? I got to go tell the world. I gotta... Maybe that wasn't you. That was me, man. I, I, don't, I got no more sin. I'm going to go to heaven. Jesus is going to be with me all the time. Yo! <laughs> See, I listened to the gospel 150 times before I said yes to Jesus, And he grabbed me one day, irresistible grace. Uh, I'm coming, right, Lord? Yes, you are coming. (laughs) Going to be in the family. And he went to get his brother. How many people in our families don't know Jesus? How many have not heard about Jesus? So he goes and gets him, And he brings him to Jesus. He says, "Uh, listen, we have found the Messiah, that is Christ, the anointed one. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas which is translated Peter. Jesus looks at Simon. And he sees a man as a fisherman, probably a little smelly. <laughs> you know, his uh, mouth goes in gear before his brain does. <laughs> he's perpetual. He's always talking, you know, he's like, you know, he runs out ahead of everybody. This is who he is. He'll try anything 10 times, you know. This is Peter. And you know what God says? I'll take you to where you are. God doesn't ask us to clean up our act because there's nothing to clean up. (laughs) We're sinners. We made a mess of everything. (laughs) Takes us just as we are. But he says, I'm telling you what, Peter. I'm going to make you a rock. I'm going to make you stable. I'm going to make you a point. You know what? You're going to be able to do something in the kingdom. And I I think of that. Wow. Peter's life. Remember, Peter, just before the Lord goes out, they meet in the garden. And just before they get there, uh, you know, Jesus saying, I'm going now, guys. I'm going to die. I'm going to go to the cross. And uh, Peter says, No, Lord, I'm going to stop. I'll, I'll die first. <laughs> Peter, uh, before the old rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. And it's this little wimp, no offense, little wimp of a girl. Yeah, that guy was a coward. I know. We are one of them. No, no, it wasn't me. Three times. And he goes out and weeps bitterly. Weeps bitterly. Why? Because he knows this is God. He knows this moment was there. And he wasn't unashamed. He wasn't bold. He was a wimp. And he ran with his tail between his legs. And then we see, you know, the third time Jesus met with him, he was on the beach. And they're out fishing. They didn't catch anything. Jesus said, hey, go to the other side of the boat. Jesus always liked to do that. And 153 fish said, yes, Jesus, we'll get in the net, you know? And they all climb in the net, you know, (laughs) brings them in, you know? How else do you think they got in there, you know? Like, I don't want to go, you're in. (laughs) Okay. Uh, There we are, you know, and and then John says, I think that, yeah, he's in there. And Jesus gets him, he says, you know what, Peter? Uh, Do you really love me more than these? Well, you know, I like you, Lord. No, Peter, take care of my lambs, but but do you really love me, Peter? Well, I kind of like you, Lord. Well, I like you too, Peter. Do you like me? Yeah, I like you, Lord. You You don't have to ask me three times. But he did. He was taking him, and he was in the hall of shame, and now he's giving him the hall of reclaim. And it wasn't too far down the road that he got in the hall of fame, preaching and thousands of people are coming to Christ. He becomes that rock. You say, well, I can't do that. You know, I go do it. (laughs) You can't. He can. You say, well, I can't see it. He can see it. You say, well, what does he want? (laughs) You. (laughs) And Peter got that. And it was life-changing. So so that's the thing. And what I want you to see is that um, this whole idea of uh, growing in grace, and I know uh, the elders and the people of the church are wanting us to grow in grace. And and that's the last thing that Peter said. You know that in the two books he wrote, First Peter, Second Peter, last thing he said, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that? He got it. But uh, let, me, let me turn you quick to uh, Hebrews chapter 12. This is what it says. My son, do not make light of the Lord's bless- discipline. Uh, don't be flipping with God. When God, there, there's, there's a penalty for all sin, there's consequence for all sin. Don't try to get around it. Nobody's ever done it, never will. Okay? But go through it. And do not lose heart when you're, no, I don't want it. I'm going to be crushed. So we're either flipping or we're crushed. I went into the crush mode. Hit it. because the, Listen to this. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Daddy is making you what he wants you to be. He's helping you to be conformed into his image. He, he's got a plan for you. He's going to have you love your wife in a way that he loved the church. He died for her. He's going to have you love your kids and bring them up in the love and admonition of the Lord. He's going to have you at the workplace serving him no matter what the boss says and the other people. He's going to have you go to your neighbor. Maybe your neighbor hates you. Maybe he hates Christians. But the thing about it, you're not going because you love him. You're going because it's the will of God to reach to our neighbor. Love your neighbor. Do you see this? It's a different kind of love. It's a love that comes from the word of God. It's a love that comes from the spirit of God. We know it's the right thing. And with God's help, you say, I can't do I know that. Let's go on. God's there. And that's what he says. And then he says this. Uh, they, being our fathers, disciplined us. That couldn't be written in our generation. There's 25 million homes tonight without a father in America. In America, 25 million. Uh, they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Do you you hear the song? He is holy. Share in his holiness. And no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Is it going to be fun to grow? No way. You know what I'm saying? It's not. It's going to be painful. But Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And here's the deal. We will be different people. We'll make the right decisions. People will come to us and ask. We will be at peace with ourselves. There won't be these things and shadows and shame and guilt we have. We won't have any of that because it's all gone. As far as the east is from the west, behind God's back. It's like the The dew in the summer on our shoes, it evaporates. It's all gone. Where did it go? I don't know. But I know he's not bringing it up anymore because it's paid for with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. When Jesus was on the cross, the Father in heaven took and switched his hands. He took the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ and put it on me, and he took all of my sin and all the things that I did, never did, and will do, and he put them on Jesus Christ, and he paid it in full so I can be free. Pretty cool stuff. All he's asking me now to live in my life. He's giving me everything. What else do I want? Let me tell you about John real quick. When do do I end? Help me. There's no clock. Where's there a clock? Is somebody really in the window? Oh, the window. I can't read it. My eyes. How late do I go? Okay. He said another 50 minutes. I'll go quick. Let me tell you about John. John was one of our campers in the Bronx, never knew his father. To this day, he doesn't know his dad. And his mom dealt with drugs and things like that. And John came to our camp, Camp Joy, got thrown out seven summers in a row. You guys are on campers like that, right? <laughs> and then about the eighth summer, he says, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. A couple of weeks later, I call up John. Hey, John. Or do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? Oh, yeah, I remember that, you know. And um, I'm coming down to the city in the Bronx, man. I want to I'll take a couple guys of pizza. You want to come? What are we going to do? Study the Bible. No, what are we going to do? Study the Bible. No, what are we going to do? <laughs> Eat pizza and study the Bible. <laughs> and the next three years, every Friday afternoon, no matter what my schedule had, I was in the Bronx with these kids, pouring the word of God into their lives. John, in the junior year, had Jesus Day. He goes to a school in in the Bronx, 4,000 students, and he made a Jesus Day. He's a rap artist. He sings. He sang his songs, and he got to preach the gospel to the kids in that high school. Did the mayor like it? If he found out, he'd probably kick me out. (laughs) But John ran the thing because it was student-driven. He could do that. So after that, uh, John... Graduate high school, 3.5. Was there at his graduations like his dad, and then I uh, put him with a family to, to disciple him further. Good, solid Christian family, and it was they both called me up. one World nine in here. You're gonna kill us. We're gonna <laughs> okay. You go, You guys work that out. The grace of God's big enough, you know. And they started working it out, and they become like his mom and dad spiritually. And then he graduated from. Uh, then he had a year of that. Went to uh, Christian school, college for four years. And then he graduated from that. And I uh, was at his wedding uh, a few months ago. And everybody's out there ready to throw the rice, you know, and do all that stuff that they do. And uh, we were the only two in the chapel. And he grabbed his arm around me in tears. He said, if it wasn't for you, none of this would have happened. And I said, and he about me, bro. It's about Jesus. Today, John is in our ministry, Children's Bible Fellowship and he's in charge of all the discipleship ministries and the whole ministry. Who would have thunk but God? Do you see this thing? God's got something in mind. Let me go real quick here with the rest of the stuff. So we see that... Uh, I agree. Say saying amen. <laughs> Let me finish on here. First 40, Andrew, Simon, Peter was one of the two that heard Jesus, he followed him. But we got that. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. That's up there. They were down just a little bit of, uh, north of the Dead Sea, and they were across the east of the Jordan. Now they're going up to Galilee, by the uh, Gal- Sea of Galilee. And finding Philip, he said, follow me. Philip, I want to make you one of my disciples. Come on along. Now, the, the rabbis in those days, when uh, somebody got bar mitzvahed, you heard that bar mitzvah when you're 13 years old, Jewish thing? Bar mitzvah, bar means son of, and mitzvah is the Hebrew word for the, the word of God. So you're a son of the word. You memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then they wanted to be with a, there were loads of rabbis. I mean, they were all over the place bumping into each other, okay? They're traveling rabbi. And the rabbi was teaching them the rest of the scriptures and the rest of the 39 books. But Jesus said, I'm choosing the ones I want say, what's all that about, Jesus? Uh, I love it. Jesus says this. uh, You did not choose me, he's talking to disciples in John 15, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may bear fruit, many souls and grow people in Jesus, fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love one another. So Jesus calls and says, you're mine. <laughs> and later on we find out that uh, Jesus goes up on the mountain, comes down and it says he brought his disciples together, chose them so he could be with them. This stuff is life on life. Life on life. So we'll go quick. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go quick. Uh, then Andrew, he can't hold it either. Uh, Phil, I mean, Philip can't hold it either. He goes and gets Nathaniel. And then he says to Nathaniel, you know, uh, any good come from Nazareth? Because he said, Jesus, Nazareth, come and see. And then Jesus says, you're, you're one who, an Israelite has no deceit. It means no decoy. It means he's, he's not sinless, but he's blameless because he does the things the law says. And he sins, he raises his hands says, I sin, forgive me. And he goes on. That's what it means here. And uh, we know Jacob was a deceiver. And he said, he's not an Israel like him, but he's no decoy. He's there. And then he says, "Uh, how do you know me? (laughs) Jesus knows him. I saw you went under the fig tree. How could you see me under the fig tree? Fig trees, I've never seen one, but they're big, long things. You go under there, hide in scripture and you pray. Nobody could see him under the fig tree. But Jesus knows us. Knows everything about us. Knows where we are, what we're facing, what we feel, everything. And uh, the right, he says, uh, he says, then Nathaniel Claire, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you're the King of Israel. And Jesus says, You believe because you saw me on the victory. Are you kidding? I got greater things for that. Very truly I say to you, you'll see heaven open and the angels of God descending and ascending unto the Son of God. What is he saying? Jesus is the ladder, and, and this place where uh, Jacob. Uh, fought with the, the angel of the Lord is the same place they put the temple and Jesus is saying guess what I am the one that's going back and forth you're going to see the Holy Spirit the angels come and help me and he knows you and he wants to feed you and that's just uh, an amazing thing uh, and I'm going to just read one thing and we're going to listen to a story I'm going to get out of here listen to this in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know how to, we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes through us in wordless groans, and he searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit, which the Spirit intercedes for God's people. And then later on it says, Jesus himself intercedes for us. Two-minute story? Boss? Two-minute story? Okay. i I'd, I'm doing this because I just want you guys to see a story. And if my computer worked, it did. Okay, this is a story, true story. Uh, I got this from a friend. When I was in Bible college, I, went, I had a teacher there, Mr. Ackie, and he taught us about evangelism. He said, find a person, give him a track, tell him about Jesus. I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. I'm scared to death. <laughs> anyway, I did it. <laughs> Um, So here's what I did. Uh, He says, uh, when I was 12 years old, this is talking about David, the guy I gave the track to. Oh, after I wrote the letter, put the track in it, put it in the mailbox. It was in front of the school, the college. Next morning, went down, waited. I want to get the letter back because I was up all night. I was afraid I'm going to lose my only friend. He's going to hate me. Ever been there? Yeah, fear. Anyway, they didn't give me the letter back. It went. (laughs) When I was 12 years old, Billy Graham came to New York on a four-month series, four-month series of crusade meetings. Imagine that today, four months. <laughs> um, you probably remembered, even though there was an insatiable hunger for God in my heart, I wanted to go to eat one of those meetings so badly, but I was too young to go into the city by myself. Dad was a confirmed atheist. My mom was totally burned out on churchianity. None of my three brothers cared. Um, but I want you to say this for. Th- for the life of me, I can't understand why God reached down to me. And again and again, I've asked myself, why does God love me? Why me? <laughs> when I was in college in Iowa, you were in Philadelphia College of Bible. One day in the fall of 1965, you sent me a letter and a track by C.S. C-S- Lovett. I have it taped inside my Bible. It's over 50 years ago. <laughs> I have it taped in my Bible. It was... Absolutely the first time I heard the gospel message and before, never before, Jim, anyone take the time to do anything like that. Not anyone. I have searched over my lifetime. I cannot remember one single person that ever walked with me out of the blue and tell me about Jesus. Never in my entire life can one single person ever take the time and trouble to send me a letter or a tract, tell me about Jesus. Everywhere in the country where I've lived, the only people Whoever left tracks and doors and knocked on doors with Jehovah's Witnesses, I'm not exaggerating. I was born again that day in college in Iowa. I started writing track societies and started giving them out everywhere's over the country, all over the country from Maine to El Paso. I passed out gospel of John posters, which he made up, and I gave and gave away thousands of books you gave me from Tyndale. That old rusted Dodge van you gave me, I went over to Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, and Texas, put almost 100,000 miles on that car you gave me before it bit the dust. I'm not saying this to toot my horn. I'm saying this to say that I am more in love with Jesus today than I've ever been in my life. I would have never had it any other way. I went in, and I will do that until I drop. I've now written... For 28 years, I've written over 20 books. Thank you from the bottom of your heart for obeying the Lord and all you've done. You've touched millions of lives over the year. How about signing up to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? How about if you got all that stuff in you, give it to somebody else. Start with the kids. My grandkids, they learned more from me from the Bible than they did in their Bible college. I had them much more than they had up there. So sign up. Let's pray. Father, uh, Daddy, we are just overwhelmed with your goodness. Thank you. Father, you love us just as much as you love Jesus. And Jesus, you love us just as much as the Father. And Holy Spirit, you take the love of the Father and you put it in our lives 24-7. And God, I pray my friends and I would, and Davy would just uh, sign up, Lord. Teach us how to be good disciples. Help us open up our hearts, Lord, to that stuff that we don't normally let you to, and change us. Let us be like you, Jesus. Do something we cannot do. Make us like you. And do this for your sake. Do this for your honor. Do it for your glory. Because we ask in your precious name. Amen.